0: Hi, Pastor Anthony here. At Vintage Faith Church, we stand behind the Bible's claim to be the Word of God, and we believe that the Scriptures contain everything needed for life and godliness. The Scriptures testify to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We pray that this recording stirs your faith towards that end. This is in no way meant to be a substitute for the local church gathering, which we believe is critical to your growth as a Christian and your walk with Christ. We pray that you will find the sermon edifying and challenging. Thank you for listening. Well, we are about to embark on a, uh, and I say, 36 to 40-week journey through the book of Hebrews because <clears throat> that, that could slightly change uh, depending on what happens. And again, I really just would love if you would take a book and, and, and use that as for notes during the sermon. And if you don't have money, just take it. It's our gift to you. Um, so before we get going, I just want to kind of give you guys a, a little bit of a background on the book of Hebrews. Because when we begin a book, we, we want to know, hey, what's going on here? What is the context Here, what uh, when was it written who was it written by so a little bit of that i'm not going to spend a lot of time on it Um, the authorship of hebrews is is really unknown like we know um, some of the other letters paul signs his name i paul but but in hebrews we we have none of that in fact the letter is much like one of the central characters in the book melchizedek who has no um, genealogy, no mother or father. We don't know where Melchizedek came from, and we don't really know where the book of Hebrews came from. Um, Clement of Alexandria thought it was written by Paul in Hebrew and translated by Luke into Greek, but again, speculation. Um, Origen thought it was written by Luke um, or maybe Clement of Rome. Tertullian suggested Barnabas, which is really interesting because Barnabas was a priest. He was a Levite of the Levite clan. And this book is heavily going to push into the priesthood. Of Christ, which you're going to see as we progress. So I think uh, he might have been on to something, but we don't know. Augustine and Jerome thought it was Paul. And then Calvin and Luther rejected, I think rightly, um, Pauline authorship. And if you're in here and you're like, hey, I've always thought this was written by Paul, that's fine. We don't know. I mean, it's not something we want to argue over. But Luther and Calvin rejected it on the basis of Hebrews 2.3, and I'll put that up on the screen Um, So the writer, author of Hebrews says this, "'How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard.'" So, so Calvin and Luther said, well, Paul heard it directly from Jesus. Uh, 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 we know that, and the apostles heard it directly from Jesus. So whoever wrote this um, is saying, hey, it was declared by the Lord, but those who heard attested to us. So, so people will reject that it was Paul as the author. Who is the book of Hebrews written to? Well, just by the name of the letter, it was written to Jews, Hebrews, Jews who were Christians, so Jewish Christians. Um, We know that it was during the Roman Empire, and we know that these Christians were being persecuted for their faith, and we have that right in the book of Hebrews. We're going to look at Hebrews 10, 32 to 34, but recall the former days When after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. So these Christians, who were Jewish Christians were being persecuted for their faith in the Roman Empire. Judaism was a safe religion, Christianity was not. If you were a Christian, you were a threat to the empire. And we have here the purpose of the letter, and you're gonna see this all throughout every sermon. It's a, a warning to these Christians. Because of the persecution, because of the uncomfortable nature of being a Christian, don't turn back to Judaism. Just because it's safe, don't turn back because it's comfortable. Don't turn back. If you turn back, there is nothing left for you. And that's going to be, again, all throughout this letter. The whole letter is essentially a warning. And it's a warning to to believers to just be like, hey, snap out of it, right? Like, you're taking your salvation lightly. Don't neglect it. Snap out of it. Jesus, he is the king. He is the Lord. Your salvation was costly, and it's going to be constantly pushing us to look at that. And you might be thinking, well, what does this have to do with me? I'm in here, pastor, and I'm not a Jew, and I'm not tempted to become a Jew, right? That's probably everyone in here. Uh, anyone in here with a Jewish background, like ethnic? No, okay, right? So, so all of us, like, we're not tempted to become uh, a, a Jew, but I'm going to ask a few diagnostic questions. Have you been or experienced discomfort for being a Christian Right. Yeah. Have you been tempted to not talk about your faith because of that discomfort, or worse? Have you debated walking away from your faith because it's just too hard to be a Christian today? Maybe that's you. Maybe not. Um, I will. I'll ask another question. Are you tempted to walk away from the faith because of some sin? In your life, maybe there's a, a secret sin or something that you've been partaking in, and, and your heart is hardening because of it. And, and what happens when we do that is we, the glory of God just, we, we can't see it. It's like the, 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 the glass that we're looking through becomes dimmer and dimmer and dimmer, and all of a sudden it's like, what, what am I doing here? I don't wanna be here. So, is that a temptation? Or maybe you're here and you haven't really settled on on Christ and, and, and the gospel, and, and you're but you're you're thinking like, hey, I believe in the spiritual realm, and maybe there's something just as good as as Jesus out. There Maybe there's another version of this spirituality I can do um, that, that doesn't have a cost, that's not asking me to, to be here on Sunday, to gather on Sunday, that's not asking, hey, if you're a part of this church, we, we, we would like to see you giving to the, to the ministry of the church. Maybe there's a, another spirituality out there that you're tempted with that's just got a lower cost and is more acceptable. And maybe, and probably most of us are in this category, we just want to deepen our faith. We want to know our Savior better. We want to know what he has done for us. We want to meditate on those truths. And if that's you, hey, come along for the ride with us. Um, I'm going to read a statement here. Um, this, is what I, I just, this is what I think sums up the book of Hebrews. The person and work of Jesus Christ is so magnificent, so glorious, nothing can compare to Jesus or to what he has done. And to hear the good news, to hear the gospel, to embrace the gospel in some manner, and then to move on from Jesus to anything else, and put it in his place is the greatest mistake you could ever make in your life. It is a grievous error that will bring nothing but judgment and condemnation. That is the message of Hebrews, and it's not a message that's going to beat you over the head like in a bad way. It should inspire us to look to to Christ and to see Him for who He is, and to be. Um, inspired and, and, and moved by who the person of Jesus is. And, and just a little um, kind of aside, we did a sermon series here on the parables. It was mid-COVID, so I don't remember the exact um, year. All I remember is like, no one here um, felt like I was preaching to myself. And, uh, but the, the, the first one was the parable of the sower, uh, it's, it's online. It's probably on our website or it's on Apple iTunes. It, that sermon gets into the, the parable of the sower. That would be helpful because I think that's a background to the book of Hebrews. Um, I, I think that's in the background of this entire letter, the, the seed that gets choked out by the world and the seed that, that falls on rocky ground. And, and, and essentially, that seed never actually takes root. Like, you can be in a church, you can hear the gospel, you can even walk out moved by the gospel and not be a Christian. And and the book of Hebrews is exhorting us to, hey, take heed. Take heed. Do you know the Savior? Do you know what he has done? So I would just commend that that sermon um, to you if you have questions about the book of Hebrews because there are many warning passages Many, and it might confuse you, like, oh, do I know God? Can I lose this salvation? And we don't believe that here, that you can lose your salvation. But when you read the book of Hebrews, you might get a bit confused as to the warnings that are in the book of Hebrews. All right, well, let's get rolling. Hebrews 1, verse 1. Long ago and many times, And in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Okay, so that's that's the beginning of of Hebrews. Um, And and I would just want to ask you this morning, have you ever considered the various ways in which God has communicated to his people? Have you ever considered the beautiful tapestry of the Bible. Um, for, for a moment, we, we have narrative, right? You've got an amazing story, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You've got the, the five books of, of Moses, and into Joshua they take the land, and you've got beautiful poetry, the Psalms that address every possible human emotion that you could have. And you've got Romantic literature and the Song of Songs. You've got the Proverbs, short, concise, wisdom sayings that, that teach us very practically how to live and be as Christians. You've got parables. You've got the prophets and their exhortations. You've got Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, the crying prophet. Ezekiel doing all sorts of weird things kind of acting out scenes Isaiah Lamentations a whole book from the prophets on just being just broken and sad like God has spoken to us in various ways many ways many many ways he has not left us without a word we have a record in the old testament of god speaking through dreams and visions Even through a donkey, he communicated. And then we have the various times. Have you ever considered why God chose those times to record his revelation? Think about this for just a moment. He's talking at creation. Why does he have the story of Cain and Abel in there? The flood, the Tower of Babel, Abraham the taking of the land, the exile from the land, the coming back into the land. We all can understand Jesus, but we got to think about like, hey, why is God choosing to to communicate in these ways, in these times? And the writer of Hebrews begins by saying, hey, long ago, God has spoken to our fathers in many ways and many times. Often when I speak to, to Christians, um, one of the biggest stumbling blocks that, that I, I sense people have when it when engaging in God's word is there's almost an expectation that God communicates a specific way uh, what do I mean by that? I think we often open the Bible and we think okay God speak to me and we want to hear that like directly to me um, but that's not He is speaking directly to you, but he's doing it through a story. Sometimes it's directly to you. Um, The whole Bible's not Psalm 139. The whole Bible's not Psalm 23. We all love Psalm 23, Psalm 139. If you don't know what I'm talking about, check it out when you go home. But the, the Bible is filled with all sorts of communication. We've got genealogies. I hear all the time people are like, ah, why are these here? Skip them. But I got to tell you, the genealogies are like when you start to begin to see why they're there, the hair on your arms will stand up. Like this is the expectation of the seed, the offspring of the woman, and he's coming. And these genealogies are tracing that. The whole Bible is about Jesus or Leviticus. How does a sinful man approach a holy God? or kings, the utter failure of a human king to lead the people of God. These books are in there with a purpose various times and various ways, but it's all pointing to one person, Jesus Christ. The entire Bible is pointing to Jesus. All of it is attesting to him in some way, shape, or form John 5, 39 to 40, these are the words of Christ. You search, he's talking to the Pharisees who knew their Bibles very well. They knew the Old Testament. And he's saying, you guys, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. How sad is that? How sad it is. is it for anyone to be a student of the Bible and not know and see that that whole revelation is about Jesus? This is where so many people go wrong reading the scriptures, all the cults and the weird theological stuff and all that stuff that gives us a bad name because of like, oh, you Christians, you know, you're, you're out there, you're doing this, you're doing that. And many of those are just cults. They don't understand that the Bible is about Christ. And they turn it and shape it into anything that they want to shape it into. But long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets. And he still speaks by the prophets. We're Lord willing, and and after this book of Hebrews that we do, we're going to probably do a prophet. We're going to look into the prophets. And, and God still speaks, it's his word, but we know what those prophets are looking towards. They're looking towards the Son, the divine Son. All right, let's 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 continue. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son. Okay, so back to the, the context of, of Hebrews, we've got, Christians, who are also Jews, who are, who are sensing my devotion to Jesus as Lord is costing me. It's costing me maybe my property, my money, my my things have been plundered, maybe even jail. I'm scared all of time, ta- all, all of the time. Uh, this this faith has a cost. I I think. Um, oh man, do you, do you remember when we were in the temple and the smells and the incense and, and the bells and the, the priest and, and all of that tradition? It was very comfortable. It was nice. I want to go back there. I can do that. That's all legal. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, he used to speak through the prophets, but now he spoke definitively through the son. And you're gonna, again, you're going to hear all throughout this letter, don't turn back back. Don't turn away from the sun. Don't turn away from the sun. Also an interesting phrase in here is last days. Have you ever heard the question? Um, I'm sure you have. Are we in the last days? Christians talk about that all the time. Well, I would um, not to burst your bubble um, about that question, but uh, we are in the last days. The Bible's very clear about we're in the last days. We were in the last days at the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You and I are in the last days. Now, the, probably the better biblical way to phrase that question would be, are we getting closer? Is Jesus coming soon? But but the last days have already begun. And, and I think for many of us, we, we don't view time like the Bible views time. The Bible views time in kind of these epics and, and ages. I'll give you a, um, a A word here from Paul in 1 Corinthians. Now these things happened to them as an example. He's talking about Old Testament Israel. But they were written down for our instruction, for our, so he's talking about the the, the apostles and the, the, the church, on whom the end of the ages has come. And you'll find this throughout the Bible. You are in the end of the ages. We're not evolving. Humanity's not evolving. There is a a definitive begin and end. And and the Bible says we are in the last days. We are the end of the ages has come upon humanity. It's a different age today than it was 3,000 years ago. We are in the end of the ages. We live in a unique time in the history of the world. Biblically speaking, um, we live in the time of the the coming of the Messiah and the coming back of the Messiah. This is very unique, and, and I think it's something, if you're like me, we take this for granted. Just assume this is the way things have always been, but it's not the way that things have always been. In these last days, he has spoken to us. To us by his son. Again, this sets the entire agenda of the letter. He has spoken to us by his son. To neglect the word of God through Jesus Christ is to do great harm to your soul. To do great harm to your soul. There are not multiple ways to God. There's one way to God. The Bible is extremely clear through Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the living water. He is the bread of life. He is the door. He is the door to God. There is no other way. And the book of Hebrews is going to pound this nail every single week about the majesty of the Messiah, of Jesus Christ. And for this this truth is a great stumbling stone to, to the world around us. And, and, and maybe you're in here and it's a stumbling stone to you. I can remember, it was probably about 10 years ago, I had a, uh, a conversation with a good friend at work and sharing my faith with them. And we had had many conversations, and and it was just a great relationship. He was not a believer. Um, We like each other, still like each other to this day, but we'd share our faith. I'd share my faith. He he didn't quite get it. And I can remember one day, we were in the parking lot, and I was giving him the gospel um, again and, and kind of just coming at it from multiple angles, and he said to me, I don't understand why God would not communicate clearer. Why Jesus? Why Jesus? Why wasn't God clearer? And maybe you've had that question. Maybe you're in here. Maybe you've had someone ask you that question, and, and we're going we're to get into this um, here. But the writer of Hebrews is going to get into this. But, but essentially, he was asking why, 1 John 2.23, why is this true? No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. So this truth about Christianity, right? This is the world hates it. If you Christians could just all get along with everyone else, you guys are so exclusive. It's like, why does it have to be Jesus? Why Jesus? Can't we have a relationship without Christ, Can't we know God? Aren't the Muslims okay? Aren't the Jews who deny Jesus okay, right? They're all just praying to the same God anyway. That's the question. And in the world, it's just, why are you so adamant, Christian, that it's got to be through Jesus? And that's why you can talk about God to, to, to anyone in this world, but once you say the name of Jesus, it's a lightning rod. It's a lightning rod. No one wants to hear that unless you're talking about the hippie Jesus or or a Jesus that's not the Jesus of the Bible. Well, the the Bible answers these questions, and and we're going to get a pretty clear answer from the writer of Hebrews. He has spoken to us by his son. And here we go in Hebrews 1, uh, second half of 2 to to the beginning of 3. By his son whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. And this is the key right here. This verse, we're going to spend some time on it. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So when we read this, it's like, okay, we're, we're not just talking about a prophet here. He is the heir of all things. He is the creator of the world. And not only is Jesus the creator, he's the upholder of the world. By the word of his power, the very fact that you are in here and I am in here and we can think straight and we're walking and breathing, it is Jesus that is upholding all of that by the word of his power. But that middle section, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. That word radiance is this idea of uh, light coming forth out of something. If, I'm going to throw a word out that I didn't know until I prepared the sermon, so I, I'm guessing you don't know, but I'm, we're going to talk about it because it's the word that's used, effulgence. Anyone know what that word means off the top of your head? No? Okay, so effulgence, E-F-F-U-L-G-E-N-C-E. I'm not trying to dazzle you. I, I didn't know what this word meant myself when I was preparing the sermon. But the radiance is, is this idea of effulgence. It is just a, a light that comes out of something that that thing doesn't exist without the light meaning that it's not like a lamp where you, 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 in a sense, it can be like a lamp, but where you can turn it on or off. It's like a lamp that is always on. It's like the sun. There's an effulgence coming out of the sun, a brightness, a, a great brightness. Jesus Christ is the radiance of the Father. And this is where our minds, uh, we're going to get into some meat, and and I'm I'm okay if I lose some of you, but we have to go here. The text goes here. Jesus Christ is the, what the Old Testament would say, the Shekinah glory of the Father. He is the, again, I'm going to use the word effulgence, the, the radiance of the Father. He was not born he has always existed because the Father has always existed, but the Father has always radiated out the Son. All the glory of Jesus, all of the Son's glory is from the Father. The Father's glory is the Father's glory, but the Son's glory is from the Father, and it's given. This is, we can get into the creeds and. And councils, but uh, this is the the procession of the Godhead. The Trinity, which is believed by all Christians everywhere, is what separates us from the cults. See, if you're a Mormon or you're a Jehovah's Witness, you you do not believe that Jesus is God. But we as Christians believe that Jesus is is God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Gregory of, of Nyssa, he was a fourth-century theologian, he says it like this, As the light from the lamp is of the nature of that which sheds the brightness and is united with it, so in Hebrews 1.3, the apostle would have us consider both that the Son is of the Father And that the Father is never without the Son. For it is impossible that glory should be without radiance, as it is impossible that the lamp should be without brightness. The Son is the going out of the Father. He is different from the Father, but he is of the Father. They are one. They don't have two wills or two minds. They have one mind. And again, this is if you're a, uh, a very rational thinker, you're just, your mind is going to hurt and be blown. And, and it, it is what it is. And the more I stand up here and talk about the Trinity, the more I'm at risk of saying something that's wrong. So um, I'm going to try to watch my words carefully. But, but uh, Paul says it here in Colossians He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus Christ is not just a prophet. He is God. And and all throughout the book of Hebrews, it's going to be Jesus is greater than the prophets. Jesus is greater than the angels. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than the priests. Jesus is better than the sacrifices. Jesus is the temple, greater than the temple. That's going to be the whole argument throughout the book of Hebrews. And the writer is saying again to these Jewish Christians that are tempted to turn back. And he's saying, don't. You've got the very words of life. You've got the bread of life. If you turn back from that, you're turning back to darkness. There is nothing left for you. And again, that's um, to bring that into to our context. What are you wrestling with that's kind of got your attention? And, it, and, 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 and it's clouding your vision of, of Christ and, and God and and um, the glory of all, the glory of the gospel. What are you toying with? What is that sin or what is that thing in your life that you've elevated to a place that should not be? Why does all this matter? Well, I think it matters uh, on, on multiple levels. Number one, what we believe about the Son matters. If your Jesus is not the Jesus of the Bible, you, you've got the wrong Jesus, um, and, and then therefore your, your faith is, is misplaced and not true faith. But I think it also matters because we have to remember that God is a God of love. And I say that knowing that For many weeks, we're going to talk about wrath and judgment and and, and all that. But God is also a God of love. He is a God who pursues his people. The Father is naturally a life giver. Jesus is is the radiance of the Father. He gives, and, and by nature, the Father loves the Son. There was never a point ever in the history of eternity that the Father didn't love because he's always had the Son. Therefore, we can say as Christians and no other religion can say this, that God is love. The Muslims cannot say this. Their God has no one to love until creation happens. Our God, the Father, has always loved the Son, eternally loved the the Son. This is, even though it can hurt your brain, and you might be thinking, "Hey, I'm not quite." The, the more you meditate on this, brothers and sisters, the better understand—not even better understanding. The more you're going to love the Father and love the Son. God is a God of love, so it matters because of that. Michael Reeves has a quote on this about the Father. Just as a fountain to be a fountain must pour forth water, so the Father, to be a Father, must give out life. That is who he is. That is his most fundamental identity. Love is not something the Father has, or I would say does, merely one of his many moods. Rather, he is love. And brothers and sisters, he has loved you through Jesus Christ. He has loved you through the Son, who is the radiance of the Father's glory in the exact imprint of his nature. So if Christ is truly the radiance of the Father, let's go back to our question that my friend had asked me. Why Jesus? Why Jesus? And, and there's an assumption there that, hey, every religion is praying to God, and, and you guys have this Jesus thing as an accessory. But Jesus is not an accessory. He is the radiance of the Father. He, he says if, to, to Thomas, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. They are so intertwined. They are one, one God. So to deny Jesus is to deny the Father. This isn't an accessory. Jesus is not an accessory. He is the love of the Father given to humanity. But it's even more significant than that. So if I was to ask everyone in here, and I'm not looking for an answer, but... um, what, what do you think is wrong with humanity? And I know if you're in here and you're a believer, you're, I know the answer that you would give. But um, I, I'm going to guess that someone would give a, a different answer. But what is wrong with humanity? Like, come on, we can read the news. Everyone is, knows what's going on right now. It's, it's crazy, and, 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 and things have kind of always been crazy. But um, in, in, a, in a weird way, it feels like it's, it's crazier. But what is wrong with humanity? Someone said it's sin. Um, yeah, amen. Sin. So, so it's not, um, we need better technology. I mean, think right now, I don't know if any of you are tracking with the AI experiment, artificial intelligence experiment, but many of the, the early creators of that are, are getting nervous and saying, we were part of creating this and we think this could destroy humanity. And that's happening right now with AI. Right? So, so, technology is technology going to make human beings better? No, I think it's just going um, it, to, it, it's going to, it could be good, it could be bad, but it could represent imminent danger for us. Is it education? Well, certainly the better educated people are, the more a culture could flourish, but that's not always true. Is it medicine? Well, medicine helps, medicine's good, medicine is a gift. From God, but but uh, the problem with humanity is, is sin, and and it, it's that clear biblically speaking. It is that is it. Like you want to look around and look at your life and your relationships, and and you, every, there there is sin in every one of the the places that you um, are wishing probably wouldn't be there, and it could be willful sin or it could be just the degradation of humanity because of the fall. Um, it could be that you're sick and it's not that you sinned because you're sick. It's just we live in fallen bodies and, and they're going to get sick and it's still the cause of all of this is a fallen world which sin has caused. Romans three, ten to 12 says this, as it is written, none is righteous No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And brothers and sisters, if you're in here and call yourself a Christian and deny what we would call the depravity of man, you're just not reading clearly what God has clearly laid out in his word. Because if you deny this, you don't need the son. And that's the problem with my friend. He, he didn't believe in any. Well, there was sin, but, but not in his life. You can give yourself to sin. You become a slave to it. You can try to bury it. You can try to justify your sin. You can try to tell yourself that that sin is not sin. You can hold parades in honor of that sin and try to force the rest of the world to affirm that sin. But the guilt and the um, shame of that sin will never go away because it's not between us and each other. It's between us and the Lord. And Jesus didn't just come to tell us what to do. He came to deal with that. The greatest need of humanity, which is forgiveness and purification from sin. Hebrews goes on to say this. Again, speaking of the son. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of of the majesty on high. Again, if if we just needed guidance, God could have sent an angel. They were the messengers and they would come with a message. But he didn't send an angel. He sent his son. The radiance of the father came and made what the Bible calls propitiation or here um, purification for sin which is what every one of you and I need. To be reconciled with the Father, we need our sin dealt with. Jesus is the the radiance of the Father. The Father speaks through the Son. The Father creates and upholds the universe through the Son. And the Father redeems his people through the Son. And right now, Jesus is sitting next to the Father, at his right hand, this is a, a place of, of uh, rule. He's ruling and reigning at the right hand of the Father. At this moment, like Steve was saying, Jesus is alive. Like, we need to remember that, church. He is alive right now. In fact, there is a promise to the church that he is among us right now. In some mysterious way, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is among us as we gather the exact imprint of the Father he is superior to the prophets because all the prophets were pointing to Jesus. Next week, we will see that he is superior to the angels. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you and we we confess, Lord, that often we take our salvation lightly. Uh, Lord, I confess that... Um, it is often that things cloud my, my view of you and your glory and your radiance in the sun. and um, Lord, as, as a body, uh, we, we confess and we thank you that, that Jesus has um, purified us. Our consciences can be clean as white as snow. And I pray if there's anyone in here who, who is tormented by... A conscience that they can see you and embrace you and, and hear the gospel, maybe, maybe today, maybe um, in the next 30-ish weeks, that they can hear the wonderful news of the gospel and that their consciences can be cleansed and that they can no longer be condemned and that they can walk in the freedom that is the freedom of knowing you, Lord. So we thank you and, and we praise you and we pray this all in your name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in with us. We hope that you found this sermon edifying, encouraging, and challenging. To learn more about Vintage Faith Church, visit vintagefaithcicero.com. And of course, if you live in the area, we invite you to worship the Lord with us on Sunday mornings.